and welcome to the Great Indoors. Sorry, I haven't pressed my record button. <laughs> I've pressed it now. <laughs> You'd think 115 episodes in, someone would remember to press the record button. All right. Okay. It's Friday. I'm having a bit of a Friday moment. Um, yes, I've pressed record. Would you like to do that? Well, Should we do that again? again? Should we do that again? Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And you can now sign up to be a member of The Great Indoors Insiders to support the podcast, enjoy ad-free listening and get bonus content as well as first dibs on ticketed events. Become a friend of the show by visiting thegreatindoorspodcast.com. That's thegreatindoorspodcast.com. Now, before we begin, a word about our sponsors, Natural Mat. Natural Mat make beds and mattresses by hand in Devon using natural, organic and renewable materials with absolutely zero chemicals, synthetics or glues. And not only that, but sustainability has been at the heart of Natural Mat since day one. And in February this year, they became the first B Corp certified bed and mattress company in the UK. All their raw materials come from from natural renewable sources. Their Devon workshop is powered by solar panels on the roof and they developed plastic-free packaging well before it was popular. Then there is their Mattress for Life initiative, which ensures that none of their mattresses ever go to landfill. Instead, you can choose to refurbish, recycle or donate when the time comes. That's such a good idea, isn't it? I, you know I love a stat, have discovered <laughs> that currently over 5 million mattresses end up in landfill every year in the UK alone, which is just sort of extraordinary and terrifying. A good mattress should last you around 10 years. And the genius bit is that every natural mat mattress can be broken down into its component parts, which can either be composted, recycled or reused to ensure that absolutely nothing needs to go to landfill. But I also really like this idea. They have a refurbishment surface where they collect it from your home, take it back to the workshop, take it apart, then they replace any compressed or damaged fibres and put a new cover on it. So they make it basically as good as new for considerably less than the price of a new mattress. That is such a good idea. They've really thought this through, haven't they? I have one of their mattresses and I'll be sure to remember that when the time comes around to renewing it. To learn more about Natural Mat's organic beds and mattresses, head over to their website at naturalmat.co.uk or visit one of their showrooms in London, Devon or the Cotswolds. Listeners can receive 10% off their first order with Natural Mat either online, in store or over the phone by using this exclusive code Great Indoors 10, which is valid until the 31st of August 2023. So coming up on today's episode, we thought it'd be really timely to talk about all things summer. And I, for one, cannot wait to throw open my doors onto the garden, get people around to my new kitchen and get that barbecue ramped up. That's because you've got new doors. I know. <laughs> I've got new doors. They're going to be flung open, Kate. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm going to cartwheel through them. Oh, I'm coming. I can't wait to see that. I challenged my husband, the mad husband, to do a forward roll recently. I can't remember why. Oh, I think he said his back you... was tight or something. And I was like, no, do a forward roll because, you know, that will stretch out your back muscles. i got to say, the pair of us had a go. There we are in, <laughs> in our mid-50s. Tried to do a forward roll. I really thought I might break my neck. I was terrified. <laughs> And then he sort of got up there and got stuck and he was like, well, I could go all the way over and break my neck or I could come back down in the direction I started out. We were, it was, I mean, when was the last time you did a forward roll? There you are saying you're going to cartwheel through your doors. I don't think so, sister. I tell you what, I did a cartwheel the other week. <gasps> did you? I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I don't recommend it. But can I just say... If you didn't film it, love, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. No. no. So you tell us about your fantasy cartwheel. No, but luckily nobody did film it. Can you even (laughs) imagine? So I went on a really lovely retreat a couple of weeks ago. It was called a Own Your Menopause Retreat. Of course it was. I go on a menopause retreat. It was really nice. It was full of women funny that between 40 and 40 and mid 50s I'd say and uh, we all got together in a beautiful beautiful house in the sort of Sussex Kent ish area anyway and we were doing lots of things that are really good for looking after yourself at this time of life nutrition we had a dance workshop we did pilates we did yoga we did fitness weight training and we did cold water therapy, of which you know I'm a big fan. Mm. The lovely Amri Goff got us all um, in these icy tubs. Whenever I do cold water therapy, I always just feel so alive and invigorated. I absolutely love it. And it was raining when we did it as well. Oh, does that make it a bit warmer though? Isn't there something about when it's cold and wet outside, the water's not so cold? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I leaped out of my ice bath ran across the garden in the rain and did a cartwheel and thought, oh my gosh. I, 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 I won't say, be doing that again in a hurry. I've never done a cartwheel in my entire no. life. I've never been able what? to do No, I can't. I've never been able to do one. What? No, you were a kid. I have been. No, never. I, I never oh. got further than a handstand against the wall. That was the extent of my athletic ability. This is another area where we differ. I did a lot of cartwheeling as a did kid. Did you? Oh my! And handsprings. What? I don't even know what springs. Well, that's when you sort of do it really bouncy with one hand, and then there's what? another one where you do a cartwheel with no hands. I can't even. I mean, yeah, forward roll. Forward roll was about as far as I ever got. <laughs> I'll just think about that. and um, Yeah, you just think you, about you that. You can tell us about what else we've been doing this week. Well, I just thought, yeah, we've seen lots of each other this week, which has been really, really it lovely. Has. So um, earlier in the week, we went to the podcast show. Oh, it's such a thing. We got a lanyard with our names on and the great indoors and everything, didn't we? And there was a poster with our picture on. There was a poster with our picture on. Exactly. And it was great. An event. I mean, oh, what's really funny, isn't it? Is we sit here with our headphones on in our little remote recording booths, chatting away, and then you go to the podcast show, which is just stuffed to the hilt with podcasters, brands, producers, sponsors, YouTubers, TikTokers. I don't know, Kate. It was all quite intense, wasn't it? It was extraordinary. And actually, I had a newsletter through this morning from Helen Perry. Oh, I love her. Uh, she's amazing. I did send it to you. I'm sure you haven't read it, but I did send I had, it I to had you. A skin. Um, and I just thought because she's she's got a couple of stats in there 
about podcasting. And she says apparently there are now 18 million weekly podcast listeners in the UK, which is 110% more than in 2018 when we launched. Ah, Interesting, isn't it? And UK adults spend an average of 47 minutes listening to podcasts every week, up 24% in a year. I mean, I was quite sort of blown away by that stat. Yeah, no, I think it, well, obviously we are lovers of podcasts. We produce a podcast. I listen to lots of podcasts. So we're in. We're in the podcast we in the in. circle, aren't we? So we went to have a look and see see what was going on. And, and interestingly, there were apparently in the morning, we got there a bit late, obviously. Should we share why we were late? Why were we late? Because I came to see your house. Oh, yes. Yes, didn't I? Yes, that's true. She came to see the finished Sneaky house. Which will all be house. revealed I know, soon. I've seen Seen all it. to be revealed soon. <gasps> so good. But the other reason was that apparently the queues in the morning to get into the podcast show were about two hours long. Who knew? Who knew? I know. So it's really, really buzzy, wasn't it? It felt quite exciting. We saw Kate Taylor, who's our producer from Feast Collective. We got to catch up with her. We saw Sophie, Melissa, Karina and Hebe, our girls at the Soho Agency. So that was really lovely. There was a lot of love in the room. I felt that, didn't you? Yeah. I felt yeah. like... There was a lot of people who love making podcasts. And and I think I think what I felt being there as well is podcasters are people who are passionate about something, whether it's interiors, which is our thing, or whether it's health or fitness or mothering or travel or I don't know, whatever whatever's your thing, you get your gang when you make a podcast, don't you? Yeah, totally. And I feel really proud that we've got the interiors gang over here on the Great Indoors. It's nice. And we got some ideas and we spoke to some interesting people, so we will be mulling those ideas. Well, I tell you what, one of the biggest takeaways I got is growing your audience is really important to the survival of a podcast, isn't it? Getting more people to come and find out about you. But I'm going to throw it out there to listeners. Recommend us. Tell your friends about us. Spread the word, people. If we're going to survive, we are going to need to grow. I think that was kind of... uh, that was that was kind of the business end of it for us, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So we've seen each other twice this week in IRL in real life. Uh, was your book launch last night? Yes. Which was fun, wasn't it? It was fun as a classic sort of introverted extrovert or the other way around. It was really fun when it was over. And I loved <laughs> a bit and I thought, oh, I really enjoyed that. Wasn't it lovely? <laughs> oh, it was so lovely. So to paint the scene for everybody, it was hosted at the Heels flagship store on Tottenham Court Road in central London. And Heels have, as we've already talked about on the podcast, recently taken over acres of new floor from which was the old Habitat store, which is no more. But it was a very iconic building, isn't it? And Heels were always next door to Habitat and they've taken over that floor space and as I said it's a very iconic spot in London I think and I was really excited to first of all see that acres of beautiful furniture as far as the eye could see actually wasn't it yeah a lot of good nice space I got there early of course and and walked around with the mad husband and we virtually dropped quite a lot of money going oh imagine we could have three of those lights and one of those rugs and a couple of those sofas yeah it's quite dangerous (laughs) well it's but it's isn't it nice to be able to see stuff in real life I mean I'm doing lots to the house at the moment and you know making lots of purchases online well, I am kind of stuck out in the Sussex countryside. But I must admit, going into Heels last night, I was like, what am I doing? Just clicking into my virtual trolley. It's really nice to see stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is maybe a topic we should come back to later because, of mm. course, we had no choice for shopping online in the pandemic and a lot of people got more used to it. But 
you and then the thing I always get wrong with online shopping, and we've alluded to this before, is the size. And it doesn't matter if I measure it. I know what a tape measure is. I know how to use it. But it's still the thing turns up and it's smaller or bigger than I thought. <laughs> and I, I don't know why that is. You know, I don't necessarily need to touch a sofa. I know what velvet feels like. You know, mm. I get that. But it's somehow it's things like lights. You know, seeing mm. them in real life, and you get a sense really of the the presence and and touching them. And that does that does make a difference and yes wandering around a, a big shop like heels you sort of forget that shopping in real life if you can is good yeah especially for interior products that you do interact with like lights look different when they're switched on and you see them all the way around sofas you've got to what is that fabric like what's the back like what are the cushions like I think it you know it's all about the textures and the feel. It's a sensory experience, isn't it? And I think we've forgotten that. And actually, funnily enough, I was talking with a friend last night who said she goes she goes sort of once a month shopping with a girlfriend and they don't necessarily buy anything, but she said they start in Oxford Street. So like that's the big store with the sort of high street stores, mm. isn't it? And mm. they start there and they work their way up and they end up via a glass of wine in Marlebone High Street, which is very, very shishi and high end. And she says, so they start off at the cheap end looking, looking, and then they have a glass of wine. And by the time they get to the shop where the T-shirts are £200, they're going, well, this is quite reasonable. Because they've, <laughs> they've walked away <laughs> And then they have another glass of wine to think about it. And then she says it can go either way. They try and go home. But, but and I think you can do that. You know, it's just you can have a lovely day out shopping. You don't have to spend any money. But, you know, I think we've forgotten that sort of simple pleasure. You know, yes. get together with a friend, wander around the shops, touch things, feel things, squeeze things, sit on things, have a glass of wine. And then you can go home. And I think actually that's quite it feeds your soul. Yeah, doesn't need to empty your bank balance, but it does feed your soul. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. So thank you for drawing me out of my country cottage and getting me up to the big smoke. I, re- I really loved it. And then also, secondly, the other thing I loved about the evening last night was, you know, you do gather a lovely gaggle of people. There were some, you know, it was a real celebration of our industry, wasn't it? There were journalists and content creators and fellow interior designers. Oh, I love our industry. It's always full of such nice, positive yes. people. It was a lovely party. It was a lovely party. And it was an opportunity to celebrate you on your fifth book, which I still can't can't quite get my head around that you've done five books, Kate. I know. I and know. I kind of and I kind of joked about it last night, but I mean, you know, five books, hundred and fifteen episodes of the podcast, and we've still got you still got stuff to talk about. I mean, I find it quite amazing. Well, I'm quite tired this morning, so you might have to do more of the talking. <laughs> Well, you, do, you can do more of the talking until you inevitably say something I violently disagree with. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll be back on. But yes, so talking of what we're going to talk about today, yes, which we will yes. inevitably disagree on, I put, you can't see us people, but I'm feeling a little bit tired. And I, I don't drink, so I'm not feeling hungover, but I am feeling quite tired and emotional. So I've put on a white shirt today because, mm. you know, I've watched the Trini and Susanna show. I know about trying to, you know, lift the face. So I'm in the white shirt to try and get myself Oh, does that what it does? It lifts the face? Yeah, so don't wear black because oh, it'll drain that. you. So I thought, I'm very tired. Put on a white shirt for, you know, a Zoom meeting. And yes. you are dressed, surprise, surprise. I mean, I have to say, 
For those of you who know Sophie's house on Instagram, she's got that very dramatic House of Hackney wallpaper in her office, which is pink and blue and big flowers. And she's wearing effectively a top that's the same. So I I might have to put my sunglasses on, but she's sort of camouflaged. She's basically, you know, if you could picture a sort of floating head. That's what I've got. <laughs> a floating head and a sea of clashing pattern. Yeah. That's that's kind of sums you up. That's me winning at life if that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well no, I put this jazzy dress on. It is a jazzy jazzy dress because I've got the school summer fair this afternoon after this podcast recording. Oh, I am off to me man. Back. Off to man the candy floss stand. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It's that time of year though, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's many, many years since I went to a school fair. And, uh, you know, this perhaps leads us in quite a tenuous segue into today's topic of summer socialising and eating out. So we picture the scene. Sophie has installed her new doors in her garden, which for those of you who follow her on Instagram, she's been banging on about the view of the pond and the willow tree. Okay, we're all in with the view of the pond and the willow tree. Now, take it one step further. The builder husband, who has taken to taking his top off in the sunshine, flings open the new doors. And Sophie steps into scene in her jazzy dress and cartwheels through those doors. <laughs> ready to greet her guests. Now talk us through. Because it, it's true, you know, we do like to eat out when, when the weather finally comes round, particularly in this country. I mean, some of you listeners in other parts of the world, you may be quite jaded by eating out in your gardens because you have that kind of weather. For us, it's still quite it's exciting. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, it, it might only happen twice, so we want to make it nice. <laughs> No, you're right. I think it's, yeah, for me, the summer is when my house really comes alive. That's when we invite loads of people over. I love a more the merrier approach to entertaining in summer. So it is, and it's always really uh, informal, I think. I think one of the reasons why I like informal entertaining in summer, and when by informal, I mean last minute invites, bring a dish. You know me. Oh, yeah. I'm a real fan of people <laughs> I'm not bringing doing a dish. <laughs> And just sort of like seizing the moment. That's kind of how I like to entertain. And I think it's for a few reasons. Mainly, I might look at the weather forecast and go, oh, it's going to be really warm this weekend. Let's do it. Because I think sometimes if you overplan your summer socials, then what happens if it rains all weekend? It can be such a, I mean, you know, still, obviously, the party must go on and everything. But I think there's something about being spontaneous. So I thought we could explore ways of spontaneous summer socialising. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you... but is that we've, we've gone straight into a tautology there. <laughs> We're going to explore how to plan your spontaneous entertainment. I mean, I, you know, oh, I'm interested in this. Talk me through that. Well, I think I've definitely got some sort of, I'm kind of like poised and ready. I'd say that's what it is. So when the weather comes out and it's gorgeous, I'm kind of good to go. So the sort of things that I make sure I can do is, well, for example, like I know this time of year, there's a, it's all about the outdoor furniture and the outdoor rugs and you can get the outdoor cushions and the parasols and the umbrellas. And there's a lot of merch, isn't there? There's a lot of merch, but then, you know, I, it's all that. God, bring it back in again in case it rains. <laughs> and then where do you store it? Yeah. So I tend to just use what I've already got. I don't have a problem with pulling all the so- all the cushions off the sofa and taking a rug, an indoor rug, outdoors, putting it on the lawn, as long as it doesn't rain, for sure. You can't have too many pims that you forget to pull it all back in again in the evening because I have done that. 
So I think that's it. Just be really fluid. I've got dining chairs that also work as garden chairs. They work inside and outside. I think that's a really useful idea. So I didn't have to buy a separate set of garden chairs. Yeah, that is so key because, you know, as you say, there's a lot of people selling a lot of stuff for gardens. And I mean, the first thing I would say is that the tech has got much better. And if you buy outdoor furniture, you can now buy waterproof cushions and rain resistant Mm. this. And so, you know, you can leave stuff outside for the summer. I mean, I've got a garden chair that I bought from the late lamentedmade.com with it says water resistant cushions but I mean they've been out there for three years come rain or shine and they're still they're still going strong so you can do that but for you know otherwise if you've got furniture that needs to come in or out storage is a real problem this stuff is big and it doesn't fold so that idea you know if you've got a garden or it doesn't have to be a you know acres of green garden like Sophie's got, even if you've got a balcony, or in my case, what is effectively a yard, but will soon be rebranded as a courtyard townhouse garden. (laughs) You know, the idea of just maybe having a folding table that lives outside, but you take your kitchen chairs outside. I think Mm. it's really key. Who's got the space to store acres of garden furniture? Yeah, unless you do leave it all year round. I mean, actually, I did invest last summer... Um, having lived here for six years, it was then, in a teak dining table and some benches. And and it was an investment purchase. I got them from, one of my most asked questions actually is where is my garden furniture from? I got it from Maison de Monde. I think they're a French company. Took a while to get here, but they're really heavy and substantial. And I know being reclaimed teak that that can live outside, like you said, can rain, shine, frost, snow. And that isn't moving anywhere either. It's an absolute lump. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing, actually, that I, for, is key for me, I mean, it's it's not just a practical thing about taking your kitchen chairs outside to eat outside. I mean, I, I love a picnic. I say if I'm at Henley, I've never been to Henley, but, you know, I love the idea of a sort of posh picnic. Yes. But if it's in my house, actually, I want to be comfortable. And, mm. you know, my kitchen chairs are comfortable. So I want to take those outside. You know, we talk all the time, you know, about interior design trends and it's brilliant. Bringing the outdoors in, bringing plants in, bringing greenery in. I'm actually, I'm all about taking the inside out. And Mm. I want the kitchen chairs out there because they're comfortable. And I want that nice cushion. And crucially, I don't want to eat off plastic plates. I want my china plates. I want my proper crockery. And I want a glass glass. I don't want, you know. A picnic. Yeah, I want to basically feel that my kitchen has the sky as a ceiling, but Mm. it's still my kitchen or my dining room or or whatever, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's because I can't do a cartwheel. I've got to have my drink out of a proper glass. (laughs) And you're not getting down on the floor to sit on a picnic blanket. But again, it's storage. You know, if I'm going to use the same plates inside and outside and the glasses inside and outside, then, you know, that works because... I've only got to store one set of stuff. Now, how are you? And I think I already know the answer to this. Because <laughs> the other sort of <laughs> the other sort of trend that you see a lot of those this time of year with, you know, content creators and everything that's going over on Instagram and I'm sure it's happening on TikTok, but I don't hang out there, is the sort of the way you style your table in the summer, the kind of like the tablescaping, oh. you know, coming back to that. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean cue eye roll. I'm kind of here for it because I love the opportunity to make something look different and special and lovely. So yes, I will cut pick flowers from the garden and put them in vases. I will get the lovely tablecloth out and I might have a bit of a colour theme. I've already think, you know, I bought some candlesticks on my recent trip to Marrakesh because I thought they'd look nice on my garden 
summer table. I mean, you know, I do think about those kinds of things. But at the same time, I don't go that far that it's very, I tell you what it is, it's kind of like finding where you are on this sliding scale. So my mum, for example, I was thinking about this recently, she would go really super formal. Oh, in the garden? Yeah. And on the picnics. I remember once we went to a concert at Warwick Castle because that's where we're from up in the Midlands. And we took these hampers and tables and chairs with us to go and watch this classical concert with fireworks over Warwick Castle. Quite a splendid evening. Mm. Birmingham Philharmonic Orchestra, I think it was. And she took the silver candlesticks and all the Wedgwood Triner and all the silverware. Wow. I mean, I sort of love the idea of that. Never going to do it. but Oh, know. it was so brilliant. Your mother was made for Instagram. Shame it wasn't she invented. Was. Yeah. <laughs> She's, yeah. I'm on a picnic with my Wedgwood China and my silver crockery. Eat that, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but so I wouldn't do that. I mean, I am my mother's daughter, but I am also a lot more slovenly than she is, as I think we've ascertained, especially when it comes to the cooking stuff. I want to be able to have a nice time too and not be super stressed about starching my napkins and all of that kind of stuff. Do you know the best thing I think and the easiest thing, and again, it comes back to my sort of practical side of storage. I always think just I'm going to go off at a tangent now and I'm going to come back. But, you know, we've talked at Christmas about, you know, wrapping and the sort of the art of wrapping presents. And I always think that, you know, a beautifully wrapped present is so beautiful and so exciting that it will it can elevate the thing inside so you can give someone quite a practical gift but if it's beautifully wrapped there's a sense of anticipation and excitement and it looks lovely and I really would take that approach to the sort of summer garden dining table and I've seen it done in Italy where it is about the presentation I mean you know me I'm allergic to the word tablescaping it's just you know what you're laying the table but if you have some beautiful this is where I would spend the money it doesn't have to be a lot of money but but some money on really lovely I'm going to say platters and serving dishes Mm. because and then you can do what the Italians do which is they kind of almost separate their ingredients so for example I have got a terracotta shallow bowl that's got a blackened cream sort of splatter pattern on it and it lives in the cupboard all the time but when you put that on the table with just some sliced tomato on it looks amazing so rather than having a sort of big practical bowl with a mixed salad a beautiful bowl with just some tomatoes in it another beautiful maybe really white bowl with some really bright green lettuce in it next to the tomatoes and that idea of sort of taking really simple ingredients and putting them on beautiful dishes will elevate the simplest of meals into something that looks visually more exciting, you know. And we had that a bit when we interviewed Sky McAlpine, of course, who, you know, an incredible cook, amazing at presentation. And she talked a lot about that notion of abundance and just having a beautiful bowl of lemons on the table or figs or strawberries if you're going to eat outside. So simple ingredients on good plates. So that that would be my top tip. Then you don't have to worry about the fancy meal. I mean, obviously, Sophie's not even cooking anything and all her mates are bringing all the food around, but perhaps you could provide some nice plates for them to put things on. I think you... Oh, I'd be happy to do that. I can be in charge of decanting. There you go. Things out of Tupperware onto lovely yeah. platters. Yeah, I'd be good at that. But I've always noticed that whenever you watch cookery programmes with Nigella and, and Jamie, Oliver, they always seem to... I mean, obviously, their food is incredible and some of it's quite complicated, but they always seem to 
to have a stash of wonderful sort of vintage mm. looking plates. And the mismatch, of course, is another thing you can do. Mismatch vintage plates look great with just really simple salads on them. Mm. No, that's so true. That is a whole art of the, the art of presentation. But and I think there's something about eating outside as well that allows you just to be really rustic mm. as well, which is really nice, isn't it? You know, you just just throw some rocket leaves on top of a dish for colour or just, you know, I'm a fan of the, of a few pomegranate seeds because they just look so dewy and bright and delicious. And jamming the cutlery in a big glass or mm. a big jug or something or a tin. Um, you get those lovely sort of, you can get big tomato tins or big tins of olives and when they're empty, just jam all the cutlery in them. It all feels very French and chic. Yeah, well, I think that's it, isn't it? It's sort of like, it, I tell you what it is. It's sort of the art of looking like you haven't done anything. Yeah, whereas actually, you, isn't yeah. It? You've been running actually, around. You've been, like, you've been on Pinterest all week. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I really do? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, what? Do you know what I am not here for? Oh, gosh. And, and you know, this this is personal to me. I'm not going to tell you how oh, to Oh, there's a rant, rant, ranting well, coming. Mm, the grazing board. Oh, yes. No, I'm with oh. you on that. Is that where you just get loads of food? There's a whole thing on Pinterest about how to arrange the board with all the salamis and the yes. tomatoes and the salad. And, and, yeah, and people spend hours on Pinterest and it looks beautiful until people start eating it. And then there's a scene for anybody who... I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. And if anybody's seen The Fantastic Mr. Fox, where they, you know, where they start eating and they just got to go... <laughs> and, and, and that, for me, is the grazing table. You know, you get... you. It's literally, I think... That is that's Instagram summed up. You make this platter of food looks lovely while it's photographed, and then you turn the camera off and go everybody eat, and then it just looks, you know, it looks revolting. Day. It looks revolting, and it doesn't look appetising as soon as someone starts into it. And then it went further, didn't it? Have you seen the new thing, the butterboard? No, I've not seen this. Shoot What's a butterboard? It's like a wooden board where people are making flavoured butters, and they're kind of smearing them all over the wooden board and putting flowers over the top and lavender petals and all this kind of thing. And then you dip your bread in it. Again, looks lovely until you actually want to eat it. And then, I, I mean, it, demolition. I can't. So oh. summer eating, please don't do that. Just have, <laughs> just have a plate of salami and a plate of tomatoes and a plate of cheese cubes and everybody gets their own plate <laughs> because I, I love tapas my mother-in-law love my mother-in-law to bits she's not a fan of tapas you know why she's not big on sharing her food my food <laughs> is my food on my plate and I'm not interested in sharing it with any of you and I think maybe maybe I've got elements of that you know, I want my own plate with my own food. Mm. I don't want to be scrabbling around fighting you on a big board. On the last, on for the last piece of pepper yeah. salami. Yeah, because I will win, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would love to know, listeners, you know, send us your comments, reactions on Instagram or wherever ever to how you feel about these sharing platters and grazing mm. platters because... They're not. For, I am. I am very anti. I think you've put a very compelling argument. I'm. I'm. I wasn't really on board. On board. Ching ching. On board with them. Uh, and now, absolutely not. No cutters here anywhere anytime soon. Um. So that's sort of like the foodie bits covered and the tablescaping covered. The other thing that we sort of you did talk about, but I think we can look 
a little bit more at is the comfort element of summer socialising. Because I think sometimes we sort of focus on the table, the, 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 the eating event. But usually when I'm entertaining at home, the lunch part, maybe that's an hour of people sitting down and eating. But then there's all the other stuff that goes on when you're summer socialising. I'm going to stop saying summer socialising because that sounds really stupid. You're also finding it harder and harder to say. The more you say, it's turned into a tongue twister. I know. When I've got people over, yeah, you have the meal, which is like, I don't know, maybe like an hour of sitting around and eating. But then there's all the other time, isn't there? There's the drinks beforehand. Maybe there's some games going on, kids playing, whatever, you know, the barbecue thing happening. And then after the lunch or supper, whatever, then that you move through into the late afternoon or the evening. So I think you've got to think about, from a design point of view, how you're setting the zone in lots of different areas. And I'm... I haven't got one, but I, it's on my wish list. Ooh. An outdoor kind of sofa situation. Oh, I think it's absolutely crucial. Yes. That's all I have got because I'm taking my indoor table out and my indoor chairs out. But the outdoor mm. sofa, the outdoor sofa I bought and the outdoor armchairs was absolutely revolutionary for me. That was the best investment I have made in furniture, indoors or outdoors in recent years, I say recent years, I've had it about five or six, probably even more years now, because I, for years, you'd have those folding deck chairs, um, you know, mm. that fold up and collapse you inside them or you catch your legs or, you know, the springs go or you're sitting on hard chairs. And then one year, I think we were decorating, this is probably two, three houses ago, and we were we, we had an old Ikea tub chair and it had been sitting in the corner of the kitchen. We were painting the kitchen, so we shoved it in the garden while we painted and it was in the summer. And suddenly... We were in this tiny garden all the time fighting over the chair. And I just thought, why haven't I got an armchair in the garden? This is the key. And that's <laughs> when I got it. And suddenly, when we bought an outdoor sofa and two outdoor armchairs, we suddenly lived in the garden. Because, again, mm. back to my old theory, take the indoors out, people. That is the way round. And it was lovely. And we had breakfast out there. We had drinks out there. Clearly drank far too much because it was like, oh, let's have an aperitif. Go and sit on our comfy chair in the garden. It's much more exotic than sitting in the kitchen. That's where I'm spending the money. Because you can, as we've just said, style up a simple table, simple recipes, but comfort, good bit of seating furniture key. Yes. I mean, at the moment, the seating I've got, so we've got the bench table situation for eating, then we've got some garden chairs. And then as I said, I'm sort of rug and cushions and throws. But I'm not going to lie, not a lot of many adults do want to sit on the floor. On a bench for hours or on the floor, no. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking, thinking sofas. Oh, and also the other thing that's on my wish list, it's a hammock. I really want a hammock. Oh, yes. One of those really big wide ones. We had a hammock. I love a hammock. We had one and then I left it out too long and it got a tiny spot of mould in it and my children were like, ooh, never lying on that hammock again. Oh. I know, but we had in the last house, we had a very long, narrow London garden uh, with with trees down the side and it was absolutely perfect for hammocks. It was lovely. Mm, that's, yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And a lot of people don't have, I mean, you know, it was the first house I'd ever had in my life where there were trees that worked for a hammock. So I, that's quite a difficult thing to do. But you can now get hammocks with stands. I mean, they're probably yes. quite bulky. But And the other thing you can do, I don't even know if it's called a hammock, but it's like a hammock chair. So it's mm. just for one person. And that has obviously a much smaller stand. It's they're like, like, like hanging pods, hook. aren't they? Yeah. You can get them bigger, but you can get a couple of people in there. But yes, I like the idea of those as well. I mean, there is, <laughs> there's no end, isn't there? But I think you're right. It's creating these... 
yeah, I just really could see myself on a hammock, kind of lis- listening to my podcasts. Oh, there you go. One of 18 million people light. listening to a podcast. Yes, yes, yes yeah. I go. can really picture myself doing that. Probably being um, less sociable, I have to say. That's a moment for myself. But then... <laughs> I am all about the moment for myself. I mean, that's the other thing. Let's forget about summer socialising. I just want to lie in the garden with a book. Mm, Well, there's time for that too, isn't there? There's time for that too. And then the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle for entertaining outside, I feel, is lighting. I think that's a really important element. Oh, it's always overlooked. The most overlooked Mm. element, apart from the sofa. Yes. Yes, yes. And I've got festoon lights, which are those lots of little light bulbs on a long wire. Well, let's just backtrack a bit. For a while, fairy lights were very popular. And I did, three houses ago, have fairy lights all along the outside, outdoor fairy lights. And then they all got a bit small and a bit twinkly. And now it's a festoon light, which is basically a string of lights, but they're bigger, mm. aren't they? The yeah, festoon and they, lights. Well, so, yeah, and they actually do highlight they give the give you a bit of light, so, yeah. Yeah, we've got them on poles and we'll put them in a circle around. We've got a little fire pit thing. And you can actually... I mean, you couldn't read a book under them or anything, but you can actually see where you're going. The other key thing about lighting, to return again to my... I seem to be banging a bit of a drum here on indoors and outdoors. But the one thing that that I think we often don't do is, you know, we spend all this money decorating kitchens, dining rooms, adding big doors to cartwheel through or not, as the case may be. And then (laughs) at night... If you don't light the garden, basically you just have this beautiful room with a with with a whole load of expanse of sort of black outside it that you can't see because particularly if you I mean I've got a certain amount of light pollution, let's be honest, I live in the city, but I'm guessing, you know, yours is just black beyond the windows. And even if you're inside, it's really important to have some garden lights because then you're you're drawing the eye out and you're you're creating shapes and warmths and sort of silhouettes of trees and gardens. And that that even when you're inside on a winter's evening, that looks very beautiful. Mm. And so we got some friends who have some very good garden lighting, very small London garden. But they we were having supper there a few months ago. I mean, it was cold. It was not an outdoor thing. So the doors were closed. We were inside with the heat on having dinner but they put their garden lights on and it was just this magical sort of view outside of the sculptural ferns and trees and and it was beautiful and so much so much nicer than just the windows the end the black expanse of nothingness out there so garden lighting is for all year round it's it's really important when you're inside looking out but as well as being practical when you're outside. Well, after all of that, I am so summer ready. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to get my festoon lights. I'm going to... Maybe I don't think a sofa's on the shopping list this year, but I'm, I think I might look out for a hammock and invite you all round. There you go. To wheel through my big doors. I'll just wait for you in the garden with a large glass of... <laughs> I'm going to watch... Do you know what? I'm going to watch and film. I'm coming round. I... I I undertake to you, our gorgeous listeners, that if I am near (laughs) Sophie when she's doing a cartwheel, I will post it. Now, before we go, I'll just remind you again about our great Indoors Insiders Club, where you can enjoy ad-free listening, bonus content and first dibs on ticketed events. Now, members recently enjoyed early bird access to our Italy trip that sold out in record time. They also get to enjoy a monthly newsletter and enjoyed a recent episode, a special interview with kitchen designer Jen. So just visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com to sign up and start enjoying the benefits. Not to 
mention becoming a super special friend by supporting the show. And that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much to Natural Matt for sponsoring the show. Don't forget that discount code, GREATINDOORS10, until the 31st of August 2023. Thanks too to our producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And thank you again for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. <laughs>